because I truly believe if I want my my daughter to have to be happy, then I need to be happy. If I if I need her to express love, then I need to express love. And if I want her to whatever that might be, I know I need to be that person myself. So the more I can work on myself slowly each day, bit by bit, you know, Rome's not built in a day. You know, I look at small, small gains every day as opposed to just trying to compress everything in for a month and then forget about it. It doesn't work like that, right? So the more I see Ava, the more it makes me want to work on be the best version of myself. So I know that it will reflect directly back in her as well. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to this week's Self Love Podcast. I am really excited to bring to you an incredibly beautiful soul. Someone who I stalked for a little while, um, quite some time, um, loved the way he speaks, cannot stop listening to his podcast, uh, but also was incredibly touched to meet him. And what was even more profound is when I got to meet the amazing Guy Lawrence, it was during the Wellness Breakthrough, which we hold in the Dandenongs every year in February. And one of the most profound experiences was to have an ice bath Um, with Guy and the rest of us. And this podcast, you'll see the beautiful man behind the coach, the speaker, the wellness advocate and entrepreneur. Um, He is the founder of Let It In. But behind all of this, you will see an extraordinary human, someone who cares deeply for the experience of personal growth and someone who shares very openly in this podcast what it means to be a dad. And you'll see that we push a few buttons here with the gorgeous guy. And I just think it's a really lovely place to get to when a gorgeous man opens his heart and shares of himself and gets to that vulnerable space when he realizes that love is truly one of the greatest of all things to not only have in yourself, but certainly to share, particularly when you have a baby. I certainly hope you'll enjoy this podcast as much as I do. Just in case you don't know who Guy is, he originally co-founded the natural supplement company 180 Nutrition in 2010, which did go on to become one of Australia's leading natural proteins and in fact became a Telstra Business Awards finalist for all their efforts. He has the amazing Health Sessions podcast, achieving over 3 million downloads uh, and now he started his own in 2018, Let It In and the Guy Lawrence podcast. He is one of those people that runs workshops that really aren't just a case of attending a workshop, but you truly do have breakthroughs. And I think his commitment is about really supporting people to be their best so they can live their best lives as well. With over 10 years in the health and fitness industry, he has explored many facets of health, including what's deemed alternative. And through his explorations, he's measured his effects on the body from using meditation and neuroscience to create altered states of consciousness, shamanic rituals, cold exposure, and breath work, to name a few. His passion is demystifying the process and separating the woo-woo from the practical applications that help create transformation in one's life. I can honestly say this is a very heartfelt interview, and I sincerely hope you enjoyed as much as I do. Please don't forget 
to follow Guy on all of his platforms, which you'll see I have put in the show notes. And don't forget to give the Self Love Podcast a five-star rating. Every time you do that, I want you to know it doesn't go unnoticed. And it means that if people are looking for a bit of love or how to find that pathway back to self, then that means your five-star rating makes it much easier in the search engines for someone that you care about to also find their place back to themselves. Buckle in, guys, and enjoy this week's podcast. It's a beauty. Beautiful guy, Lawrence. What an absolute privilege to have you on my show. I have had you on my radar from the minute I conceived the idea of self-love, and particularly when I got to meet you and play full out with you in the, at the beginning of um, the year when we did an ice bath together. But before we go into any of that, I just want to say welcome to the Self Love Podcast and what a true inspiration you are and what an honor and privilege it is to share you now with my new listeners. Well, thank you. It's such an honor. Honestly, I mean that. Um, I've been following you from afar for a long time as well. And, uh, and we finally, like you said, connected in February. And when you, when you asked me to come on, I was truly humbled and honored. So hopefully I can be of service to you and your listeners today and well, see sweet. what comes out. I promise you, you are. And that's why I wanted to have you on here. And I think, you know, to get us really started, as you can tell with my intro, I absolutely adore you. You've done a lot of work and a lot of personal growth. But I guess first up, I'd love to know, just off the top of your head, what is your definition of self-love? Wow. That's a really big question. And as a man, uh, that probably has varied a hell of a lot throughout my lifetime with self-love. But I think, to me, it's about self-care, self-preservation, truth, and, and exploring the deeper part of ourselves and allowing not to be afraid of that but allow whatever truly wants to come through to come through into its greatest expression and living a life and living and creating rituals and habits and people and everything that that nurture that aspect of ourselves to come through more and more and I've found for myself personally as as over the years I've not shied away from it but leaned into I guess that self-exploration and allowed those aspects to come through, I've learned more and more about myself. And I've realized I know less and less and less about myself the more I learn about myself. So I'm not sure if that answers the question, but to me, that's where it's at. And um, these days now, I really try and live my life from that truth of myself, from that aspect, and if it feels in alignment or not. And making decisions that are going to support me and and not only be kind to me but challenge me and 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 have all and everything in between and I think it's really important and we we quite often place ourselves behind other people and we make do a lot of things and put ourselves last, but in some respects, I think we need to be a little bit selfish when it comes to self love and and having a nurturing sequence to ourselves to then allow our best version to be for everyone else as well. I don't always get it right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not standing here saying I have the answers. But at the same time, the more I've done that, the more I'm, I, I've, I've become personally empowered, if you like, and then come from that place and make decisions from that place and shape my life from that place. And, and it's all, it all comes down to love, I think, at the end of the day. 
I have really a personal does. belief. Absolutely agree with you. I have a personal belief that self-love is at the foundation of all things. So it doesn't matter what aspect in your life, whether you're educating yourself, whether you're uh, physically training, whether you're a parent, whether you're a business person, whatever it is that we do, everything at the forefront, at the foundation is our ability to love ourselves. Now you've become a dad. You've just seen and probably realized that the heart can explode, expand so far with even more love than you ever imagined. And when you look at that baby and you see nothing but pure love, what in your opinion or where in your opinion does it kind of almost, I don't know if wrong is the right word, but where we kind of almost fall out of our love or love with ourselves or we start to challenge ourselves or doubt ourselves until we start doing what you've been doing where we get back into a pathway of discovering our love for self. How do you see that transition and, and what is it that happens? Oh, I'm, I mean, I can only speak from my own personal journey initially. And I think I, I lost myself at such a young age in some respects. I've forgotten who I was. And then I lived my life from a place of not really remembering who I truly am. And I, we, we don't... Uh, and I see it so much now. My my daughter Ava is just turned twelve weeks, and you're right. When I when I saw her, I thought I was a pretty open-hearted guy from the, what I do, and and it did. It, it my heart exploded even more, and and it's just and it keeps opening more and more. It's it's incredible. But that was already within me. I just it's it's allowing that to come through more and more, and then having a connection with a, another human being like that, who's your own flesh and blood to a degree, is just insane and i've never experienced that um but but when i look at ava i see this this beautiful innocent heart expanded just child wanting to to learn grow experience adapt and and all the characteristics are coming through and the last thing i want to do is mirror my own shit <laughs> into this beautiful little baby and, and allow her to express herself and find herself because she's an individual soul that's that's coming through to have this life experience right and so on my own journey i think about my cultural experiences the way i was brought up and the people and surroundings and because that was my life my familiarity i just assumed that was to be but i didn't realize how much these things actually shape us and we lose ourselves and as somebody once said to me um it was Sometimes we need to dismember ourselves to remember who we are. And that's what this, what I do is help people dismember themselves in some respects to really remember that truth and allow that truth that's ever present in us and within us that's always there. But we just cover it through our own conditioning and our own life experiences. And um, so I'm not sure if that's answering your question right now, but when it, when it comes to then Ava and, and see having this experience, I'm, I'm just, for me as a dad, I'm just grateful. I'm actually having Ava in my forties and I've, and I've kind of done a lot of things to myself because I truly believe if I want my, my daughter to have to be happy, then I need to be happy. If I, if I need her to express love, then I need to express love. And if I want her to, whatever that might be, I know I need to be that person myself. So the more I can work on myself slowly each day, bit by bit, you know, Rome's not built in a day. You know, I look at small, small gains every day as opposed to just trying to compress everything in for a month and then forget about it. It doesn't work like that, right? 
So the more I see Ava, the more it makes me want to work on be the best version of myself. So I know that it will reflect directly back in her as well. So that's so you, the way I see you it. You make a really beautiful point about our parenting, our upbringing, our circumstance, maybe even our personalities, the DNA that we come into the world with. Maybe if we believe in coming in with also seven generations of um, cellular memory and things like that, whatever it looks like, this little being has arrived. In many ways, the responsibility of being a parent has you also looked back on your own parenting, your own parents' parenting and how you were brought up. How would you or what would your advice be to someone who may not have had parents so aware who may have gone through different traumas and things like that. Do you believe at some point we need to own who we are in that? Or do you think it's something that we hold our past accountable to? How do we shift through those moments? Yeah, well, the first thing I, the first thing I look at is with any parenting, I, I truly believe no matter what the circumstances, there's an element of everybody believes they're doing their best. So we gotta we gotta take that away straight away. Otherwise, we can lay blame and point fingers and and hold on to that story. And absolutely, we can have traumatic incidences and, and different things come into our life or hold on to judgments and shame that produce shame and guilt or whatever's ho- holding us on. But ultimately, is that going to serve us and allow us to express our truth if we don't learn to to begin to let that go? And I think, and I, and I, the more I've sort of lent into this work and what I do now, I believe the body holds memory and the body is actually can, can, you can create, the body can create a homeostasis. The body wants to just keep you safe. It's hardwired to do that. We are hardwired five times to one to, to think negatively because then we're always on alert. So we're always going to stay alive and we can, we can create scenarios in our mind to, to help serve the body's conditioned ways, if that makes sense. And we're not even aware of it. So when it comes to what you said as well, I mean, we actually work through, um, a, 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 we call it the flower of flow. But the four key components at the basis of it before it branches out into much deeper components is awareness, is acceptance, is then intention and then inspired action. So when you start to think about those components, the first thing is that we actually have to become aware. And we have to become so aware that we can detach ourselves from, from the patterns and be the third-person observer. It's called metacognition. It's, it's being the watcher. It's what yogis have been talking about for, for many, many a year. And if we can really develop that practice of actually becoming aware because if we are running from 95% of the subconscious mind on a daily basis and there's only a small part of ourselves, we are just in behavioral patterns constantly. And then we create in a, we, we are creating thoughts and thoughts create emotions and feelings and feelings that then create thoughts. And we stay in this paradigm that is then seeing the world through the lens of what we are thinking of feeling because we only meet information on the same level of how we feel in that moment, right? So by becoming aware of something, we can actually start to become the third party. It's almost like I always imagine if I had a a camera crew following me around everywhere, and then I had to watch it back at the end of the day, I'd be like, oh, 
oh my god was that me did i see look at the way i walk right now oh my gosh look at the you know did i say that to that person look how much i just talked my year off to that person without actually asking them how are they today because i just needed to be heard so i could vent my thoughts and my feelings and keep myself locked in that state of being right now and then if we watched it back, we would all of a sudden become highly acutely aware of probably aspects of ourselves we have not even been aware of or have not wanted to look at, right? So awareness becomes such a key component. And, and it takes courage. I, th I think it's, it's become, then we can become aware of love. We can become aware of ourselves to allow the, the greatest expression of self-love that we've seen through. But then, of course, from awareness, once we start to develop that awareness, what's the next thing we need to do? We need to accept. We need to accept it. And then we start to look into <clears throat> a whole can of worms. <laughs> uh, because then we have to start to take ownership, 100% ownership. And, and until we're ready to do that, we're always going to fall back into the default patterns. But quite often, what we don't realize is instead of working against the body and pushing, we can begin to work with it. And that's where different practices can start to come in. Like we held, we held a group meditation uh, just a couple of nights ago online. You know, I think we had about 50 on there. And the energy was palpable and powerful. And then we were getting people coming in the next day. I don't even know why I started crying. But the moment I got on, I just started crying and opening up. And, you know, and, and that's the actual body beginning, I believe, beginning to let go of the conditioned past, the stuff. And, and when I think it from an energetic perspective, energy can either be you know, created or destroyed. It just transforms from one form to another. And I actually see that within the body, you know, the, the somatic practices that allow the body to start releasing and letting go and allowing energy to move through to create more coherence, which shifts the state of being. And from that state of being shifting, it then starts to allow us to feel differently. And quite often we're always waiting for the external to change to make us feel. But what we're trying to do is flip it, is that we become a, the way of being is feeling a certain way, which can be a lot more positive in a state of joy and love and happiness. And then the external starts to meet the way you're feeling as opposed to reaching out. Right? Yeah. So then, so, so, so as we were, and it, this, this is a process. Look, it's taken me years. It's not like, you know, I'm going to get a bag of tricks and, and get this. Like, it, it, you know, if, if somebody has neglected their health for the last 20 years, I mean, I worked in the fitness industry for a long time, and I would see it all the time. Somebody would say, you know, you've got to start exercising. You've got to stop burning calories. And they'd come in, and they want to say, oh, well, I actually want to lose a bit of weight and get fit. My doctor's told me i got high blood pressure or whatever. And, and it would be a shock that is like, well, no, actually, you've got to create, change the whole lifestyle around it and create good habits to support that and over time this the new version of yourself will come through and you'll get the results long term you know and it's the same with this work you've got to start to create the rituals the habits the practices and the subtle shifts start to shift over time and we've seen it time and time again and yes absolutely you can compress time we do it at our retreats to move that 
quicker, but there's still a process. You still want a foundation in place. You still want to be able to, to work with it and slowly experience it and then get it. It's just like, like any other skill. It's a skill set that we learn over time. And of course, once you've um, become aware, once you've accepted, you can then, um, you're then reclaiming your energy back, right? We use the analogy, we're like a leaky bucket. We, we're giving our energy away everywhere and this, this, this bucket's just leaking energy. And for, for, uh, from an energy, because, um, you know, I, I go very, very, on my podcast, I'm sure as well, I go very deep into looking at the world from an energetic perspective, because I think ultimately at a core, it is all vibration and energy. But we don't realize we, we're giving that away so much. But as we work through the awareness and acceptance, we can then start reclaiming our power back. And as we start pulling our, our power back and our energy back, we can then start to intentionally direct it into what it is that we want to start moving towards. And we always get hung up on the, well, what am I going to do with my life? What is it now? I've lost my identity. My kids have left home. I'm divorced or whatever it might be. But intentionally, we want to start becoming the, the being, the feeling of what those things, we, we might not know what we want, but we might know what we want to feel. So we can intentionally start working on that. But then from that place, you have to meet it halfway, which then becomes the inspired action. And then on and on that cycle goes. And it all ever-present, running at the same time. I just, it's insane. And do you know what? I wrote a book, as you're probably aware, The Art of Self-Love. And yeah. step one is the uh, being aware of acknowledging that you're either in a dark place or in an opposing force or your energy is low or that you're not feeling love. That's, that's the first step. And my final step in all those six processes is self-acceptance where we can accept the great and the not so great. And it's almost like I'm seeing a mirror reflect. I'm hearing the mirror of my work. We're just framing it in a different way, yeah. right? So I would love to ask you then that intent and inspired action you mentioned something just briefly before around, I think you said, rituals, habits, and practices. I would imagine they would become the foundation with the intent and what you're actually doing to start a career. Because so many of us, we don't know what to do. I'm aware that I'm not in a great place. I accept that I'm not always brilliant, or I accept that there's new uh, hope and possibility for change. I imagine that there's some rituals and practices and steps that you would want to engage with to help me get out of my own way. Is that what you're saying or is that part of the process? Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you want to you be able to be aware enough to break the cycle in the moment that's happening. And the issue, the difficulty is, and I always say this, this is why I'm a big advocate of meditation is a great place to start. And also a gratitude practice because um, when you're out and, and shit's happening, life's happening, curveballs are happening, it's very hard to keep it together and we're going to fall into our old patterns. So we need to create a practice first where we feel completely safe, where we completely can start to become aware of those patterns in, in a controlled environment because it's much more difficult when, you, when life happens. And as my old mentor used to say to me, the greatest meditation is what you do with your eyes open, not what you're doing when you're sitting on the mat for the 23 hours a day or whatever it is, right? So, so that's why I, I like... Um, reconnecting and going inward connecting to the breath actually exploring the body and having a practice around silence 
even if it's for 10 minutes a day, if you can't sit down for 10 minutes a day and, and have a practice and slowly become aware of how you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you're holding your body, how, what is actually going on in that moment, how the hell are you going to do it when you get up and get on with life, right? So you, you have to have that, that discipline initially at first. You know, but I've met people on the other end of the spectrum over the years that don't meditate anymore because they're literally living in the alpha brainwave state where they're just in this flow state most of the time and nothing is phasing them because they, they've completely reclaimed the self-worth, pres uh, preservation, and power. So, so a meditation practice is important. The other thing that's important, I believe, like I said, is um, a gratitude practice. But learning to generate the feelings and emotions of gratitude, not just journal things, not just write it down, but actually really diving in and looking at aspects and feeling those aspects along. Because the way I see it, the, uh, if you look at the HeartMath Institute, they, they had, I think they got over 220 peer-reviewed peer scientific studies now on how the heart influences the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system being the stress fight and flight or the rest or repair. And in Western society, we are definitely living <laughs> in the fight or flight state, or myself or everyone. And, you know, it's not until we actually go away. Can you imagine what it would be like to unplug from technology for two weeks, to sit in nature for two weeks, and how you would feel at the end of those two weeks? Like, you'd be pretty reconnected to yourself, I reckon, right? And we don't give ourselves these opportunities anymore. So we're just living in an age of constant distraction and those constant distractions and stimulations are actually keeping us fired in a certain way in that stress place. Even when we're trying to switch off, we're not off because we have stimulation through TV and social media and we just browse the phone. We're not fully turning that off and letting that go. And then it's interrupting our sleep. We've, you know, we've got lights everywhere. Like it's, there's so many things that we could be doing to slowly start to nurture our environment to create that stimulus. So I'm kind of going off in the tangent, but coming back to the heart, the heart is a great gateway. And this is what got me hooked in years ago. Because I was like, ah, I never thought of it like that. Because trying to tell an ex-rugby playing Welshman from Wales about opening your heart or thinking of your inner child, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, I don't know how much to swear you, so I, was, I refrained myself. Yeah, and, right. Okay, okay. Right, so, but, but talking about that from a, um, um, a biological, I can't even get my words out, um, perspective here where if you use the heart to influence that nervous system, and then what I do now is I actually bring awareness to my entire heart, so it becomes a meditative practice. But then I start to count my blessings. I start to look at all the things that I have in my life that I'm truly grateful for. And I was doing this when I literally didn't have anything as well. You know, so I know it can be done. And I know there's always things that we can focus on. And remember, we tend to focus on how we think and how we feel. So if all we're seeing is pain, shame, regret, and, and feeling a certain way, if we're not willing to start to generate a self-preservation practice for ourselves first, then it's never going to start to show up externally in our, in our life. And we actually become more chemically dependent on the way we think we feel based upon our past experiences than actually than the future self that we want. So that's why we stay locked. But a simple gratitude practice of feeling 
coming from the heart can slowly interrupt those patterns. And if you and if you're diligent with it, you know you could do five minutes morning, noon, and night. Um, that over time will start to shift, right? But what I found as well, Len, is that um, without sounding too woo-woo, uh, would I sound woo-woo on this? No, not no, at all. No, okay. Go for it. Without sounding too woo-woo, you can, you can start to, collect, to, to energetically connect with people because we actually, like I said, we're all energetic beings having a physical experience. And I've, I've interviewed enough scientists and met enough scientists now, hundreds that are talking about this field of energy that's beyond space and time, the 3D reality called the zero point field, the, the um, unified field, doesn't matter what you call it, um, but it's there. It's like the, the, the woven fabric that we're all in it and it's all around us. We're part of it. Like the space right now is not empty space. There is subtle energy going on and we can actually, as we're part of it, we can actually connect that in a group environment. So you can then start to amplify that energetic experience, which can then shift that uh, homeostasis I was talking about. So, so you can quicken the process because once with this work, you can't learn it from the mind. You really need to experience it. Once you experience it, like you're getting in the ice bath, right? Once you have an experience, you like, or the the breathing, you're like, wow, I actually felt that in my body. It felt visceral. It's real. And it's the same with this work. You can, you can have direct experiences. And what I'm really keen and, and being able to uh, help people with is to have that direct experience. Because once they have that direct experience, it's going to plant the seed and something in them is going to change. And that change can ultimately change the direction of their entire life, given enough time. Yeah. It's incredible. And I want to highlight you for that with the work that you've done. Because I would imagine, Guy, and I'd love it if you were really willing to be open here, that in your deepest, darkest times, in times when you've really struggled within yourself or perhaps had self-doubt or not believed in what's possible, Could you talk us through or maybe give us an example of when you've been there and then tell us how you've got through that? Because ultimately, when we hear the practicality of it and we're in a great place, it feels a lot easier to to adapt or to bring those skills into our world. But when we're lying on our bathroom floor or when our heart feels shattered into a million pieces or we don't believe that there's any good anymore in the world, how do we find a way to find ourselves to trust, to believe that we have the power and capability to get through it? And do you have an example of that for yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I spent most of my 20s drifting, drifting. Like, and um, I, I, when I grew up, I always felt a little bit of a black sheep, a little bit of an anomaly. Um, I was aware enough to, like, I never went to school. <laughs> like, towards the end, I, I was bunking school. I, I came out of school with no qualifications, pretty much. Um, and when I look back and look at my younger self then, I realized that I was not wanting to accept the current status quo of how I should be living my life. But I had no tools, and I had no one around me to to that understood what was going on for me at that point in time. So I always lived with one foot out the door constantly. And um, it was my greatest gift and my greatest 
detriment to my happiness at the same time. So by the time I got to 30, I was actually getting into a very depressed state because I was jumping from job to relationship to country to city, and I just couldn't settle down. And I thought, am I going to, is this how I'm going to live my life? Um, and it was awful. It really was awful. And when I know what it feels like to be, feel completely on my own and completely lonely. I'm thinking, am I ever going to meet the, the, a person to share my life with? Am I ever actually going to believe in myself enough to, to create a life on purpose? Because I was a plumber. I mean, I was a plumber from Wales. I did his apprenticeship and hated plumbing, but that's all I knew because everyone around me was manually doing building work and that's my, that was my life. And walk, walking away was terrifying because I had no, nothing to back myself up and I was actually quite shy as well, believe it or not. You know, outside of my, my, my rugby field was the only place I could really show myself in any kind of respect. So... When I, I got to a point where I just emigrated to Australia because I had no options. I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I thought, oh, I'll just go. That's what happened. And I got here and I was working in a bar in, in Newtown back in 2004. And um, I'm just like, I can't go on like this. And I knew there was something in me that could do greatness, but I just didn't know how to tap into it or touch it or anything. And I ended up... Um, Getting it to dig a hole deeper, I ended up getting in a lot of debt because I decided to do some stock trading um, and I borrowed money to do it. And I got myself in a, in a deeper hole again because I, I, at the time I thought if I could make some money, at least it would um, allow me to give me the freedom to figure out what it was, what I wanted to do. So I was already creating my identity and my self-worth by how much money I could earn. Unconsciously, I didn't know that. And I'd spent three years trying to do it, and I couldn't, I couldn't make it work. I actually didn't do, do bad, apparently, because I broke every rule in the book by borrowing money in the first place, over-leveraging myself and day trading. But at the same time, I was learning. I, I'd become a fitness trainer. I was working at a university, so I was living this double life. And it just got too much. And then I got run over by a car, and my girlfriend dumped me, and I remember there was just this, this, this spiral of events that's like, and looking back, I actually think it was like universal going, wake up, you know. And, um, and, I, and from that came, that was probably my dark night of the soul, pretty much. And I remember feeling very, very low. And I, but at the time, I was already starting to listen to, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer. I was having them on Audible, uh, not Audible, but audio books. And I remember it sinking in, but not sinking in, but sinking in. There's got to be more to this. And then um, I ended up through through my fitness industry, getting involved with a charity that were helping people with cancer. And then I'll never forget the first day I, I, I walked into a seminar and sat next to a lady who had a four-inch brain tumor. And she was only three years older than me or four years older than me. And she was a single mom. And it really made me feel like, shit, I've actually got nothing, nothing on this lady right here, right now. Uh, and it really gave me a huge perspective around that. And one of the greatest things I, I really 
did. It was, it was really strange. When I came back, it really taught me, once I finally accepted where I was at in my life, and I stopped chasing, and I surrendered to then where I was. And from that, I started to look at how I could create positive feelings and emotions in my day, just like we spoke about earlier, coming from that place. And I started to really, instead of catching up my story, it really started to make me evaluate and look at the things that I did have in my life. Uh, and there was a lot, really, at the end of the day. I just couldn't see it before. So what I started doing, and I'll never forget this, was, was I would just try and be as positive in, in a nice way, coming from heart, not, not faking it. And so when I was working at the university, I would start going out of my way more for, in a way of giving. And people used to walk in and I used to challenge myself, can I put a smile on this person's face within 10 seconds so they walk through the door? And, and most of the time I would get it. And, but, but, but through that, I was really um, connecting more and more with people and, and finding just, just being happy again, like for no apparent reason. I mean, when I look back through my entire life, most things that make me happy are still the simple things in life that have always made me happy in the simple things in life. It's just for quite some time I'd bought into this other idea because we, we, we get a shoved down our throats of how we should look, feel, and act and behave from the external world. But I, I turned my TV around. My TV faced the wall. It's the truth. And I, never watched, I didn't watch TV for about nine years. I just, like people were saying, have you watched Game of Thrones? I was like, what's that? Like I just removed myself from this kind of way and and came back to what really mattered and then and then from there i was reading books instead so i, I read the four hour work week was one of the sort of first business self-help books um that i read that spawned 180 nutrition off the back of that book and off the back of giving myself space and off the back of being in 30 grand in debt i still managed to make it all work because i was passionate enough and willing enough to find a way once I'd let go of all my stories and I had had a wake-up call and, and looking back I, my wake-up call was very kind to me and I'm actually grateful for that now because I see other people that have much more challenging wake-up calls right and sadly some don't make it through either so but with hindsight the signs are there quite often and we're just not encouraged enough in society to start listening to that and to start honoring those, those, those feelings that want to come through at a deeper level from the heart than what we get caught up in the mind all the time because we're so conditioned to just think with our mind. But I, I really think we can get beyond the mind and feel and think from the heart too and start to act and trust upon that. And the more we do that, the more we gain momentum from that place. But there's no logic in that. I agree. Agree. You've you've said a couple of times, and I'm I'm curious around this that um, you've said removed myself a couple of times. You removed yourself from whales. It was almost like the energy wasn't matching what you were looking for subconsciously, um, intuitively. You knew to remove yourself, and then in this space, you knew to remove yourself and actually start observing perhaps a little bit more or to try different things or to turn it around. Like, is that inbred? Is that something that we each have in us? 
or do you think certain people have it and other people are just destined to be more negative? I think we can all change. That's my, my, my initial feeling. I really do. Um, I think the problem is when it's a really great observation because when we remove ourselves, we're stepping into the unknown. And the unknown can be viewed as terrifying or an endless, beautiful world of possibility. And that really depends on the way we <laughs> have shaped our own personality and the way we habitually see things, whether we see things through a, a positive or a negative lens, you know. And I, th I think it's looking at what myself and my own personal life if I hadn't removed myself from certain situations or certain things and had the courage to, to grow, I wouldn't have grown because I'm always going to be um, held, held back, I believe, by my environment to a degree. Now, that might scare people. I'm not sure. But I don't know. In some respects, I couldn't have my cake and eat it, I don't think, either. So as I found myself more and more or as i find myself more and more my my life changes more and more but in a beautiful way it, it almost gets to the point where i think life is forever flowing through us and i'm now willing to flow with it as opposed to try and hold on and re resist and it's from that resistance the persistence obviously continues and the pain continues but it's a simple act of of letting that go and actually starting to find flow. Hence why <laughs> business is called living flow. But um, honoring that and starting to do that can be terrifying. I, I get it. I get it. And we can all, we have an accelerator and brake as well with this work, you know, and it's like, uh, I remember interviewing Dr. Sue Mortar. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm. with her work. But she said, guy, you know, like we can hit the accelerator and that's like just opening the heart and just falling into love and saying love's going to guide me and I'm just free and that could just freak some people out. Or you just hit the brake and you just get more logical and you think about it and, and you can slow right down by, by getting stuck in the head. So it's like you've got both. You can do it at your own pace as well. So Maybe we can even ride the clutch. Exactly. <laughs> Try and do a bit of both. <laughs> I want to add, there was something else that you said that I thought was really poignant. And again, it's the, the opposite to the resistance. And it was almost like you said, and then I got to a place and I surrendered to what is. Would that be a piece of advice you would give to all of us um, when you just can't make sense anymore, when you don't know whether to break or to accelerate, when you don't know whether to leave your country or to change your state, <laughs> maybe before you get hit by a car? But is surrendering one of the greatest secret weapons we can each hold, do you think? hundred, oh yeah. It is like a thousand percent. Like, if you think about it as well, like how many times in our life have we mulled over something and weighed it up and the pros and the cons and, 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 and then it just gets heavy. And then you get to this point, you just go, just let it go. And the moment you let it go, something shifts in your life and then the expansion starts to open up again. And we have an opportunity every day, every moment to, to surrender to what is. And it's only in 
and I believe when I was talking about the, the leaky buckets and everything, and surrender is a huge component of, of coming back to the present moment. And when you find the pure present moment, and if you can be from there, that for me, that's where creation comes from. So until we can surrender and become fully present, we can really start to own our power. And from that ownership, we can really start to move forward with intent in a direction that we would want to open up to. But again, we can get so caught up on what it is, what it is and what I have to have of holding control. And then, I, then you have to start to look at, well, what is, why do we need so much control? And then control is normally based upon, well, fear. There's an underlying fear that's in our life that we might not even be aware of. But when we start to dig in, dig into the roots, when you, when you look, what, what happens when you look fear in the eye, you, you end up transcending it. And then it's, uh, as my, my good buddy who I work with, Matt Omo, always says, fear is like stepping into an empty room. The moment you open the door and step into it, it's, it's gone. You know, so, so I think surrender, again, is terrifying, but so beautiful and rewarding at the same time. And if we give ourselves permission to surrender, we're, we're allowing opportunity to start to come back into our life and allowing growth. And um, it's a, I believe it's a shame to deny ourselves of that. Yeah. One of the most powerful things you do is to teach us through physical challenge. And I love, for instance, the ice bath. Uh, I, well, I sh- let me reframe that. I don't know if I loved it while I was in it, uh, but I loved the experience and I loved how I felt afterwards and then actually got back in. So I'll, I'll, we'll go to that another moment. But what I want to say to you or ask you to create a more pliable brain, uh, to change our mindset, to create different, more positive thoughts or opportunity or, or potential within us and to create change in the neuroplasticity of the brain. Sometimes we do need a physical um, barometer to actually shift through that. And I know you taught us this. Could you just give us a reason and example and teachings around why sometimes a physical challenge can be the best barometer to create a mental, emotional shift? Sure. Well, there's there's multiple reasons. One, something physical with a physical shift like an ice bath is very tangible. I, th- I found from the self-development industry and, and there's a lot of intangible growth happening as well. And it's like, how do we measure that? How can we have a visceral response um, and see it show up in our lives? And, you know, it's, it's a similar philosophy to the computer. If we sat on our butts all day in front of a computer and that's all we did eight hours a day every day, our body is going to learn that behavior very quickly and it's going to become, um, well, lazy. It's going to become softer, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's going to not have a physical stress. Like we need, first of all, we need stress. Stress is not a bad word, uh, but with there's two different kinds of stress. And for me, why the ice bath is so good is because um, I, I like the term, there's a term called eustress. And eustress is about... Uh, how you perceive a situation and ultimately how that perception 
is going to make the body responding in a certain way just from the perception of it. Now, when you show somebody an ice bath, for instance, we are working on doing virtual reality where you have to walk a plank over uh, 30 stories high. But um, we were hoping to bring that <laughs> in next year. But, but So we'll stick to the ice bath for a minute, though. So when you see the ice bath for the first time, it's such a beautiful metaphor to life because you look at that and you go, some people are either going to just freeze and shock horror, going, there's no freaking way I'm doing that, I'm getting that, I just know. And other people go, you know, this is a great challenge here. I'm excited. I've got this. I can do this. And that's what a use stress is. It's like, do we see something as a threat or do we see it as a challenge or an opportunity to, for growth? And depending on, and it's been shown many, many times, but depending on how you see that is how your body is going to either collapse, restrict, retort. And we are our bodies intertwined with our bodies. So however our body is feeling, remember, it's creating that thinking and feeling loop. So when you get in the ice bath, you have this beautiful opportunity to find surrender and let go, to step beyond the cold, to step beyond your mind and become the perfect awareness, the witness, the, the observer, and feel into that. And then when you do, you can surrender. And when you finally surrender, there's this beautiful moment where you go, I got this. Oh, my gosh. What was all the fuss about? I can't, I can't believe that was me just then. And, and then you're in control of that. Now, for me, I've been ice bathing every single week pretty much for four years. And I still have this dance. I had an ice bath this morning. Right? I still have this dance before I get in and I breathe into it and I'm there. But from that training, just like going to the gym, you become acutely aware of how you respond, how you think, how you feel, what's going on in your body right now, oh, why is my stomach doing this, why am I feeling this under my You become so in tune to the now, to the moment. And then that practice, I'm not saying everyone needs to go on ice baths, there's other ways of we can create uh, situations, but from that discomfort that I know I'm creating a discomfort that I'm growing from, not creating too much discomfort that I'm going to, collapse and retreat that's the key as well it's like finding your comfort and just going beyond it that acute awareness begins to show up in my life in other scenarios where i might have a situation or a person or a conversation or triggers we all have triggers in our life but all of a sudden i can tune into that so much quicker and become more acutely aware and go wow is this a threat or is this an opportunity or a challenge to grow right now? What, how am I going to show up into this? How am I breathing right now? Because that's what we're doing. In the, how am I holding my body right now? Am I contort, restricted, and or am I open, feeling strong and powerful? Like they're all signals that massively influence the way we perceive any given moment. And from that duality, from the, those practices, it, it starts to show up in your life. And this then goes back into the gratitude practice. This then goes back into the med different meditation techniques and practices. This then goes back into the, the group environments of the collective energy are starting to move things as well. Because you have to let go. That's the surrender, right? All these practices are all about finding ways and, and tools of reconditioning the body, but also reconditioning the mind as well. 
And for me, the ice bath is such a great physical, visceral, get in there experience. But there's other ways of, of doing that as well. It's like, for instance, when we run the retreat, Matt Olmo has been working with sound for 17, 18 years. And we can get uh, move sound enough now and experiences that with the body, the body wants to hold on. So have you ever had a situation in your mind? You're like, I know this is okay, I'll do this, but the whole body is just holding back. It's like it's, it's a separate mammal, right? There's like a disconnect. Yeah, why is it doing that? Come on. But, and that happens when you start to go into these meditative states. But if you learn to become the witness and surrender to it, the body will start to reorganize itself. And some of the sounds can be really strong. When you've got a gong, and that's like seven feet away from you. And that thing is like, it's, in, it's intense, man. And you're like, oh, and, but then you, you surrender into it and whatever needs to move starts to move. And from that place, when you, you come in, the next time you're in a situation, a scenario, the body has retrained itself. And you go, huh, I didn't actually behave like I normally do. That's why is that? It's because then, you're, you've been teaching the body to behave differently in those moments. And, it's the, and I believe it's that behavioral teachings of what's going on is that, that can support us or create long-term stress. And through the long-term disharmony of stress, dis-ease can come from that, right? So that's why I'm so passionate about it. That's why I left what I was doing in the fitness and nutritional space to move into this space because I felt like I could have a much greater impact with people long term. And that you do, my friend, that <laughs> you do. And I want to I, I come back to beautiful Ava. I, I know we're coming, you know, I could talk to you and listen to you for hours. I have you in my ears all the time. So it's just like I'm in this little trance with you. But I want to come back to Ava the work that you do, the work that we do in the health space isn't about helping people so much, but it's about being, I believe, a greater guide, mentor, support system for people to facilitate their own growth and learnings. In the same way that you're a witness to watch your wife give birth to your daughter. And if we look at that as a metaphor for life and we look at what the, the woman's body, I remember the first time I gave birth, I panicked because my birth was so quick. My, both my children came within four hours and that was not on the, on the cart. That was not on the menu because I had all my oils and music and I had this whole birth plan sorted that I wanted. And of course, the universe gave me an opportunity to see it in a whole different way. But guy, I remember panicking. I remember panicking because my body was doing things so quickly and there was a disconnect from my mind of what I thought should be and what my body was actually doing and how quick this baby was coming. And I will never forget my beautiful mother-in-law who is a spiritualist. She's a practitioner of hypnotherapy and NLP. She's just a beautiful teacher in my world. Came into my ear as I was panicking and she said, my darling, See your body as the tide. The tide comes in and the tide goes out. Connect to that. And the minute I had that visual, something changed in me and my instinctual mothering strength came in to deliver my baby very fast. 
What was it like for you to witness your wife giving birth, knowing that you couldn't do it for her, but also being a witness to watching what I believe is the most unbelievable experience on the planet? Could you talk us through that? Wow, what a beautiful question. Um, it, it was, it's got to be the most memorable moment of my life and life changing, you know, from going through the pregnancy, going through a miscarriage prior to uh, just supporting and holding, going through my own personal emotions, thinking, holy shit, I'm going to become a dad. Am I going to be, am I going to be all right at this job? I, like, I don't know. And then visualizing every day what it would be like to hold a baby in my hand. So I really wanted to embrace fatherhood. And I spent, honestly, six, seven, eight months. Every time I saw a dad, I'd speak to them. I'd, when I saw them carrying them, I would imagine myself carrying my daughter. I was just in it, right? I was doing my what I do anyway, you know? And, and then to then having Linda going, I think we're close. And then all of a sudden she's like, yep. It's happening. I'm like, no, it's happening. And, and then feeling myself like terrified, excited, and just jumping from pillar to post and just trying to just go off, be the witness, right? I was just doing my best to be the witness. And then, and then, and then jumping in the car and then being with her, we, we went to the birthing center in Lismore, which was beautiful there. And, and the labor was so long. It was so long. Um, I think it was 26 hours in total, and I I I didn't sleep the whole night. I just I was just with her the whole the whole time in there, and I was getting more and more delirious, more and more tired, and and I, I remember it just became a blur, uh, and and in this state, and then and then witnessing Ava uh, being born, you know, was just. I, could, it was, I still can't put it into words. Like, honestly, it was incredible. And then, and then I, I had the opportunity to have skin to skin very early. And Ava was there just crying, just full of life, which was amazing. And I was, I'm with Linda and, and I just, there was a connection instantly. And I thought, wow, like, how could I have ever been so scared about this? That's, uh, you know, wanting to welcome her in and, and be there with her. And I remember just leaving there thinking, oh, my God, I felt like I'd given birth. <laughs> yeah. I was so exhausted, let alone what my wife had just gone through to see that. Yeah. You know, and, and I, it's funny being a man as well. I was, I was so naive, really, to, to some respect. But my whole respect to birthing, parenting, uh, what women have to go through, my respect to this, all the single mums out there, like has just gone through the roof. Like it's getting me emotional thinking about it now. And to and I'm just grateful to have what I have with Linda and to have what we have with a healthy child that's come through. Like, you know, it's just just been amazing. It's been the greatest miracle in my life so far. And and I'm excited to see where it goes. And I remind myself every day, because I obviously Ava cries, I have sleepless nights and and there's moments where you're just like, Jesus, really? But beyond it all, when you connect back to the essence and the love of it all and what really matters, it's, there's n nothing compares to it. And, uh, and that's what I, I always remind myself and look for and be part of. And, every time, and the more I connect with that, the more my life just, everything is now. And that's how I want it to be 
you know and uh, and I know I, I you know I've lived long enough now to know that life is not always rosy um, but but we can certainly um, make the most of what we have now you know because yeah. I can tell you one day sweet guy that Ava is going to come into you and say, I'm leaving home, I'm going to uni, I'm traveling overseas, bye daddy, bye mummy. And you realize that you've been a guardian for what may feel like a long time at the beginning, just all of a sudden feels like a flash in time. And the, the, the privilege to witness their growth and their expansion and to stand beside them, not necessarily lead them or push them, but to stand oh, beside them and be the the supporting role so that they experience their pains. You, you don't want to rob your kids. What I've learned is I don't want to rob my children of their pain. It's hard to witness. It's very difficult to not want to jump in and fix their problems. But I know for me, and I think you may agree, that my greatest learnings came from my greatest sufferings. If there was one piece of advice to give the people that are listening to this, what would it be? <sighs> Live from the heart. Don't fear it. Like, live from it. Um, the more I've learned to let go and come from that place and learn to trust that place, baby steps, whatever it might take, um, each day my life has opened up more and more in ways that I could never imagine. You know, I was, I was just, like I said, somebody that left school um, with no qualifications, not a hope in hell, and ended up um, really changing my whole life purely because I came from that place. And, uh, and I think we all have that capability, yeah. but we've got to learn to trust it and then learn from others. That's why we do what we do, right? Because like you said, it's all about giving somebody their own awareness to become their own guru to become their own self-empowered person to to move forward in life and i, I believe it comes from the heart so mm. yeah. oh, is there any favorite quotes that you have you know one that sprung to mind is um i interviewed a gentleman called paul around and he was an incredible human being um i should send you his podcast you'd love it um and on his website when i was researching him he said Remember who you are and be that. And, uh, and it stuck with me ever since. And I found myself using that a few times. So, yeah. oh, I love it. I love it. Guy, if we wanted more of you and we wanted to be a part of your world and to, to learn from you, can you tell us how we can follow you? Sure, yeah. Um, my website's guylawrence.com.au. Um, I have a podcast there. I'm very, I love my podcast. It's... it's um, a great place to start if they want to go down the rabbit hole for sure. And also um, we have an, I have another website called Live and Flow, uh, liveandflow.co, and that's where I work alongside uh, Matt Omo, works with sound, and Petra Brozovic, who's a therapist. Um, and, uh, and that's where we facilitate our retreats from and do some other uh, online programs and stuff as well. So, yeah, it's pl plenty to get involved in if, it if you is. choose. 
And your podcast is phenomenal. I truly mean it with all my heart. I love listening to it. I love your questions. I love the guests. And I always take something away from it. So I just want to say thank you and and for your voice and that accent. We love it. And we're very glad you made a decision to um, leave Wales and come and become one of ours. So I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for the work that you do. And I want to say thank you to Linda and Ava for opening your heart even more because Guy Lawrence with an even more expanded heart makes the world a better place. So thank you so much for being here with me. It's been a real privilege. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.